I'm Dr. Kathleen Hall, and today I have Dr. Jim Hickson as my guest, and this is The Way I See It. Welcome to our show today. It's very exciting. We're going to be talking about, well, it's not a really exciting subject, but it's something that we all know and something we need to discuss, and, and most of us, 50% of Americans and a lot of the world are actually dying of loneliness. So uh, I'm excited that Dr. Jim Hickson is with us today. He's the medical director of the Mindful Living Network and the Stress Institute. He's also a board-certified internist, internal medicine, and also a board-certified gastroenterologist. So uh, he spends a lot of time on the inside of people uh, going up them and down them and uh, I guess around them also. So no matter what people look or say to you, um, I'm sure you find out the real truth as you... Uh, go through that little light when you're going up and down somebody. Yes, now it can be told. <laughs> how many, uh, if you had to guess about how many procedures you've done in your life, what, what would be a guesstimation? Into the tens of thousands. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've uh, been there, seen it all, done, done a lot of all, right? Absolutely, and it's been a pleasure to have this, uh, have a, uh, a job that you actually love doing every day. Yeah. And so it's been very rewarding. Yeah, and what can we say? How many people really love what they do every day? Because it truly is a calling. And so I've asked him to join us uh, as part of our network today to talk as uh, from a physician standpoint and also as a person who's got a great personality. His patients love, love him and he loves them. And half of Americans, over half of Americans, uh, say that they're extremely lonely. And, and it's a real problem because it raises our risk of death by 25%. And the danger, this is, I thought this was an amazing statistic. The danger of loneliness is the same as if you would smoke 15 cigarettes a day. That equals the negative effect. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's un unbelievable. Yeah, because I know how you feel about cigarette smoke and the influence on health. Um, and, and something they say is, is uh, so what can you do about loneliness? I think, uh, I teach mindfulness. So I think the first step, we're going to talk more about this, but I think the first step is being aware of your situation, being honest about it. There's no shame in loneliness. It's uh, literally the pandemic of COVID-19 we're going around. This is uh, a global <laughs> pandemic that uh, France, their health care system, England, their health care system, have been talking about the physical, medical effects and the health care costs of loneliness for some time now. So I think the first one is being aware of it, being honest. And the second is, you know you can take action. There are amazing things we can do to come out of this loneliness. We, we don't have to suffer in silence. We don't have to feel like a victim, no matter what our situation. So um, I saw an article about why we're lonely in O Magazine recent, recently. And it says there are four basic reasons that we're lonely. So I thought I'd cite that article to begin with. Number one is uh, we value achievement more than attachment, especially in this country. Don't you think? And you think about... Uh, when, when we talk about people or you and, you and I meet people, Jim, or whatever, I think it's a very powerful statement that we value achievement more than attachment. We are a very success-oriented culture, and that just plays right into that uh, goal being a goal-oriented. So it's, uh, it's critical in our society as we've shaped it. And I think it's not only economics. I see the benchmarks of somebody my age. Even when I meet other people, it's like uh, I'm a grandmother. Uh, my child is uh, gone to medical school or is whatever, that I think that uh, it, it's, it's the achievement that we even see on social levels, socioeconomic levels. It's, it's really strange. 
Number two is um, we are left to our own devices. And those are technological devices, and we are. They drive us into this loneliness, and it is a false sense of community. I think all these people that are going on Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and stuff, they feel like they're part of a like, I don't like, all these different things, but it's really not intimacy. It's really not that strong sense of connection of sitting by somebody on the front porch. No, but I think in some of these times it does play its part, but nothing takes the... Uh place of that one-on-one -on -one connection with another human being and that's what we're missing right now. Well I also think it's even uh, interesting in this uh, latest house that we bought and live in that uh, the porches are on the front and it's really interesting after living many 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 years in many houses where all the porches were on the back because it's changed I believe the architecture changed in about the 50s and the houses the ranch houses if you remember were near the near the front drive, excuse me, the front roads, and so what people did was start building their porches on the back. Now we're seeing a resurgence of building porches on the front. Whereas um, I watched the Sugarmans walk up and down the street and say hi, how are your kids, what's going on, and it's a completely don't you think it's a completely different experience than being on the back porch? Absolutely, absolutely. There's more life and action out there. You're seeing other people. You're interacting with other people, you're seeing friends, you're making new friends. All those things which make us uh, have stronger connections to ourselves and to others and, and really make us take away that lonely feeling. I think it's really important. And, and three is, um, in this article, we don't join organizations anymore. Churches, rotary clubs, organizations, it's true. We really don't. I was thinking about this, I used to be a member of Rotary, I was a member of a church, as you well know, I was a member of this and that. And even as I've watched things unfold in the last 10 or 15 years, I personally have become less associated with big organizations. And I don't think you've ever really been a big organizational kind of guy, right? That is correct. And now with this COVID-19, it's thrown us into an acute crisis of our isolation from our organization. So it's even exacerbated the wonderful uh, community that we get from our organizations. But even the people, though, that I know that belong to churches... Uh, like uh, Kendrick or other people, and people I know that belong to clubs, they're doing Zoom. So they're kind of getting together, but it's not that intimate, you know, closeness. But but that's part of the problem is people aren't, I think, church attendance or whatever's down, what, 40 60%, something like that. And last but not least, we're social animals. And uh, now we're being forced in this culture that we live in, in this world we live in, into this theme of self-reliance. And um, we naturally, in our DNA, seek human connection. We produce oxytocin, dopamine, endorphins. But when we're isolated, we produce stress hormones like cortisol. So uh, we actually study this and, and know it's a fact. And like I said, in Europe, they're way ahead of us about studying loneliness. I thought it was interesting. There's some myths of loneliness. Loneliness is, uh, is uh, it's about being alone. But people think that loneliness and being alone are identical. And they're not. I uh, know people like myself that ran the horse farm and, you know, had the things up there, you know, 30 horses and wrote books. And I loved being alone, but didn't feel lonely. So there's a difference in that aching, painful, isolated feeling of loneliness than being alone. Yes, that separation that we feel from others is totally different than just being that alone feeling, which is very good for all of us to be reflective, contemplative. Uh, in our own lives. So how do, you, uh, how do you feel like when you're alone? Are you, do you like being alone or are you well, a groupy person? Or? 
Well, as being a physician, you're with people all day long, That's so true. that I'm in That's community true. from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. <laughs> and so I appreciate uh, aloneness. Now, that is totally different, though, from lonely. So do I miss when I'm traveling or working? Do I miss seeing the people I love? Absolutely. Does that make me lonely? Does Have I been isolated many times now during this COVID crisis from the people I love and care about? Absolutely. So that gives me a sense of loneliness, different than that feeling of being alone. Yes. And I, I think another myth of loneliness that I thought was really interesting is people assume older people are the loneliest. And the data shows really almost the opposite. Ages 18 to 22 have the highest levels of loneliness. Isn't that interesting? I think that's a function. If you walk down the streets or walk in the mall or anywhere, you'll see more than in us older people, you'll see the younger generations carrying their iPhones or their cell phones. And they're all got them on looking at them. I don't know if they think there's that much importance going on in the world or they're that important or it gives them that sense of connection to their friends. But it's, it, I, I mean, even when they're crossing the street, they're looking down at their cell phones like they're reading text or something, trying to, yearning for this sense of connection, actually afraid of being alone. So it's not lonely, but they, and I think many people, especially younger people, don't like being alone. And this cell phone culture and Facebook, those kind of things, the Instagram you talk about, help them obviate that problem of being alone. So I think it's a different culture. It's a different, it's a, it's an age difference. And uh, maybe as they old, as they mature and become older, that will change. I don't know. We didn't have cell phones when you and I were children That's and true. young adults. Yeah. And this is a new phenomenon for this century. Well, and almost 80% of Americans, the data shows, distract themselves when they're lonely. <clears throat> so uh, whether it's TV, computers, video games, it just ties into exactly what you just said, that instead of going into themselves, like I said, the first thing is to be aware, and the second thing is to know you can create an action plan, you know, and something to do about it. Whereas, like you said, I think it's, it's kind of like being, um, I'm a water person, as you well know, I used to be a big swimmer, competitive swimmer. I think it's almost like floating on the water and being afraid of sinking down. That when you let go and float, a lot of people were afraid to float when, when I taught life-saving. And, and what you have to teach them is that you'll float. Whereas their fear, oh my God, the panic of somebody just floating on the water. So I think it's almost the same intrinsic fear of loneliness they're afraid to sink because they don't know where they'll end up you know it's, it's really real, like some kind of an abyss fear um, and then also we uh, there's a new term they're using researchers are called it uh, using and instead of just economic capital it's called social capital and social capital is the value that we uh, kind of we find in trust and cooperation that we have in other communities I thought it was very interesting so what they did was they went around the 50 states in the United States and saw which had the most and the least social capital. So what kind of states do you think had the lowest social capital? What kind of areas? More rural areas. Yeah, uh, right. North Dakota, South Dakota, uh -huh. Montana, Texas Wyoming. and Southern states. Uh -huh. Texas and Southern states. And the highest social capital was in the Northeast and uh, the Midwest. That's where it was the highest, yeah, especially the Northeast. Right, very, very good. And also reasons that we, again, find loneliness is technology, estranged families. I mean, look at a lot of people. You didn't live that far. Look at the way you grew up in Georgia and the way that I grew up in Florida. 
was you didn't move that far from your families. You know, you moved down the street or another city or locally. Now you just take off and move somewhere else. Um, mental illness, I really believe that. I think that uh, it's huge in our world. Uh, we acknowledge physical illness, but not mental illness. So I think when one of our brothers, sisters, or children become depressed or become have an anxiety disorder or become bipolar, whatever the situation is, I think we can tend to withdraw from them. And uh, another thing that is just absolutely amazing is how many of us live alone. Uh, you know, young people don't get married till later, 30, 35, 40, they're living alone. People our age didn't do that. You married much, much younger. The divorce, if half of us are divorced, 40% of us, and even if we remarry, a lot of us live alone. And then people are living longer. So your spouse, you, the, the data shows you're either going to get divorced or death. So there's a huge number of people living alone that never did that before. So that is a complete change in demographics. But what I also find interesting of uh, loneliness is now there's a new term, which I heard on... Uh, my favorite show, it's like going to church on Sunday morning, the CBS Sunday morning show. There was a psychologist on there talking about this uh, during this COVID-19 crisis, this pandemic we're in. She said there's another kind of pandemic and it's called skin hunger. So that just got my brain moving and I went, skin hunger, this is so cool. So did a bunch of research on it to find out exactly what it was. And um, it's, it's, kind of the, takes off on the loneliness is we literally, physiologically and biologically, are created to touch each other. And there are mechanisms in our brain, in our nerves, in our biochemical makeup, that if we are not touched and we don't touch, it sends off all of these warning signs and actually uh, makes our body shut down, our immune system shut down and everything else. And uh, I thought some interesting facts were three out of four adults agreed to this statement. Americans suffer from skin hunger. 75% I, I, of us say that we suffer from skin hunger. Not being touched, not being hugged, not being in close physical proximity. I also thought it was interesting, the uh, country with the most touching in the world, what would you think that would be? France. I, yeah, yeah. We've spent a lot of time in France. Yes, that, that's true. And the one right at the bottom of the list would be? Russia. The United States. <laughs> Sorry, darling, even the Russians touch each other. <laughs> no, it's us. So it's very, very interesting. Um, and more Americans live alone than ever before. One in four Americans don't have a single person to talk to. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's pretty sad. 25% of us, one in four. I mean, didn't that, that just breaks my heart. I mean, honest to God, it just, it's so sad. So it is, it's, it's a pandemic. I mean, even before the COVID crisis, and this is just, I think, shining, don't you think? It's like going into a room that's dusk and shining a big light on it. That this is really, and, and I think the good news about us staying home for months is, is what I said at the beginning. The number one thing to do is your awareness that you feel lonely, and the second is an action plan. But I think these months have, are, are pretty much, um, you know, taking us down to our bare bones about what our issues are. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. I think, as I said, I think this COVID-19 pandemic has just exacerbated all of our uh, negative emotions. And 
two of those being that I see the most are, are three, the loneliness we're talking about, but anxiety and fear. They all tie in together. And as you, you mentioned earlier, you talked about uh, this skin hunger issue. And in, in um, medical terms, we call it affection deprivation. So that's just a 50-cent word for the still the skin hunger. We didn't know that there was actually nerves in our bodies that are stimulated by touch. But we know that the lack of skin hunger when we don't get touched certainly uh, make us more prone to stress, to depression, anxiety, and loneliness. Now, there's a specific nerve in our body called the C-tactile afferent nerve. Again, a big word that seems to connect from wherever on our skin or on our body that we touch to our reward center in the brain. This uh, in turn releases oxytocin, a hormone that plays a, a fundamental and, and critical role in our social behavior. It has effects on dopamine, uh, which is again in the reward center, and release of serotonin. All of these have to do with calming, happiness, and well-being. It lowers the heart rate so that when we touch each other uh, and touch ourselves, we stimulate this C-tactile afferent nerve, and it goes immediately to our brain, releasing these chemicals that then evoke a response in our body that's very, very positive. In addition, there's another nerve in our body, and many of you may have heard of this in your science and biology and things of this nature, the vagus nerve especially important in gastroenterology and related to ulcer disease. But when this nerve is stimulated just by touching or moving the skin, there we go now to massages and things like this, it has an increased calming effect but it slows the heart rate, reduces cortisol, and uh, uh, saves natural killer cells that kill viral and bacterial and cancer cells. So we have a different nerve then that's stimulated when we get massages or just rub our hands together or rub our shoulders or bodies, then we notice that. So we have two different mechanisms now that are stimulated by a touch that are just fascinating and uh, the science is just evolving more and more. So it's critical that we touch ourselves and touch each other. And it's interesting, I notice, especially in this area now, is I'm used to when I see patients, I'll go up, those that I've been knowing for 35, 40 years, I may hug them. Those that I've been knowing for a long time, we'll greet them in, in, in some special way, touch them on the shoulder. Everyone, I shake their hand. Now, in this COVID crisis, we're touching elbows, or I'm wearing gloves and they're wearing gloves, and we're all in masks, and we wouldn't recognize each other maybe if we met on the streets. So that's become very impersonal, and, it's, uh, and it doesn't promote that feeling of connection. So it's, it's critical as we go through this that we now get more and more ways of touching each other, and it's more important than ever. So we have to all work harder at that uh, in our lives. And bringing that in, don't you think that our uh, daughter happens to be a, a critical care doctor, and she talks about having to robe up every time with, the, with the, all the PPE and everything. I mean, it's all she can do not to go to the bathroom, um, even people don't want to maybe think about it, but even women having periods, by the time you have to go to the bathroom to do anything, to take all of that PPE off and go to the bathroom and come back. And so it's that kind of, of isolation, but also isolation with each other. She said that 
they actually in the ICU have to write notes to each other and have physical signs with their hands because they can't hear and see each other. And these are people that, that uh, Brittany's worked with for many years that are very intimate, close friends, life and death. ICU is tremendous death. That's what they do. Um, and codes and everything that they get through it together with the nurses and the PAs and everything by touching, by holding, by eye contact, by dealing with the families. You know, part of what she said her crying the other day was part of, of when she has to extubate somebody or someone's dying is being with the family. It's soulless for her too. And all of that is gone. All of it. So I think we really need to also extend what we're thinking about right now with loneliness or touch starvation, our healthcare professionals are going through a heck of a thing right now. Don't you think? Look what you, oh, no look question what you about said it. about no that. Your about nurses and, and other well, doctors. And one of the things I learned that was very interesting to me, we're kind of in the 20-second rule now in life, and that is we now wash our hands for 20 seconds. Everything, we all know that, whether you sing happy birthday to yourself a couple of times, you have a timer, whatever you do, you're washing your hands many times a day, you're that 20 seconds. I, this news to me in this research is that for us to release oxytocin, which is a very calming uh, hormone, hugging releases that, but you need to hug someone for 20 seconds. So I think sometimes us men give what we might call bro hugs, where we go up and kind of slap each other and <laughs> hug each other. I don't know what that does. I call it a, the ape hug. Or a testosterone <laughs> hug or what that ever is. But I think that we need to all understand if we would have a little more uh, intention and mindfulness in our hugs, that we hug somebody and maybe be mindful. 20 seconds is not that long that you hold them. Now, obviously, none of us want to be inappropriate or anything like that. But that, that 20 second hug is really important for releasing this very important uh, chemical into our brains and then ultimately into our bodies. Yeah, I, th I think uh, I'll, uh, reflecting on all this is just absolutely fascinating. So um, I think especially now, some of the things that maybe we can talk about are some tips that since we're kind of all at home and we're moving through this, somebody like myself, I get a weekly massage and people could say, oh, you're spoiled or this or that. No, I do this. I happen to be a stress expert, as you well know, and, um, and study the body-mind connection. So I'm huge on the mental and physical benefits of massage. So being at home for months with no massage has been torturous. So what I would say is during normal times, try to get a massage regularly. And you could say, oh, it's rich. You can't. I can't afford it, but you know, every once in a while you can. Massage envy, places like that, you can get them very, very inexpensively on a, a monthly rate. But now, um, even for me right now, we have, I went to the archives, meaning the attic, and found old massage things that we had from 10 years ago that still work, they plug in or have that need batteries. And so to have those, use uh, some of the massage, order them online, and give yourself, you can give yourself a massage if you're alone, or if you have a buddy or a friend, you can give each other massages with these little, this massage equipment. It really works. There's all kinds of fun, cool ones. Some have heat, some don't. Also, uh, since a lot of us cannot and should not be going to uh, nail parlors and getting our feet done, how about these new massage, you know, things for your feet with the hot water, all of that. Explore that. Don't you think that's a, that's absolutely. a great idea to try to yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think when I've been in the rescue business a long time, got my entire life rescuing animals. So what I'm loving right now is a lot of people realize how important touch is, and, and a lot of the shelters are empty. 
they're getting dogs and cats and taking them home. Absolutely. We know the benefits of cuddling with your dog or your oh, cat. Yes. Men live so much longer than they have cats. Now, I never was a cat person, but we've had a cat in our lives probably for 30 years, and uh, I'm attached to our three-legged cat now. So I'm hoping uh, not only do I just get the pleasure of loving her, but I hope she's going to give me a longer life. <laughs> with her three little legs. There you go. But it's really, really important. And, hey, even if you can't keep it permanently, foster an animal right now. You know, it's really amazing. So if you really want to, if you're on the borderline of adopting a, a cat or a dog or um, fostering one, please just, um, you know, do your own research. You can come to the Mindful Living Network. And uh, we have Mindful Animal. We've got all kinds of articles about the health benefits of having an animal. Plus, you save a life. And, you know, I'm very much into spirituality and karma. So, hey, you uh, get your karma points for saving lives. And, by the way, they'll save yours. And um, things like learning to dance. You know, I know it may sound silly, but I, go to get your YouTube channel up, and you would not believe all the people dancing in all kinds of ways. And if you have somebody at home with you, a spouse, a partner, a friend, uh, children especially, uh, I've always worked, but when I came home from work every day, my two daughters met me at the back door. Uh, we turned the, uh, back then it was record players, we turned it on loud, and uh, they loved Cinderella, and we danced to Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, and you name it. We danced for 30 minutes every afternoon before dinner, before I started dinner, and we laughed and we giggled and played. So especially during this time, please try to dance. Uh, again, there's all kinds of creative things that you can do on YouTube that you can find find somebody to dance with. And also, if you're alone, you can dance with the person who's on YouTube. It's really, really, really cool. Um, and also, if you're home, sit close to your loved one. You know, I, I find that I sit far away from my husband, uh, not far, maybe four feet. But then after I started doing the research for this podcast, I said, you know what? We need to, I, I need to sit closer. This is ridiculous. I need to sit much closer. So I, th I think little things like that that you can do. Another big thing is I think nature is huge. So go out into nature, whether it's touching your roses, touching leaves, plant something. Go to a garden shop and get some, um, I bought some sweet uh, basil that I'm going to plant tomorrow. And then I planted some hydrangeas. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, and then I got out and get some field glasses. I got my field glasses and started watching my bird feeder and thought I was in heaven. Yes, I'm not physically touching them, but you talk about some solace and some peace and happiness and oh my God, it's just unbelievable. So, um, and the other, some other things you can do is, um, I didn't think about this till I started doing this. I'm a real army shower person <laughs> and you laugh at me about this. Um, some people take five or ten minute showers. I'm, I, I was one of, of seven kids. There were nine people in the house with a bathroom. So you were in and out of there, baby, just like being in a barracks. Uh, what I learned about this also was, hey, get in the shower. Turn on warm water. Um, get some lavender soap or some peppermint. Uh, take a longer shower. Get a brush. I got a long back brush, and now I'm brushing myself. Or And I have this skin facial um, thing that was given to me as a gift, you know, that, um, oh, it's, it's rechargeable. I'm trying to think of the name of the company. Anyway, I get in the shower and, and put it on me now. Oh my God, it's like heaven, but I've never done this before. I thought of a shower as function. Get in, get clean, wash your hair, get the heck out. Somebody else is behind you. <laughs> Even though nobody's been behind me for God knows how many decades, 
it's a mental construct. So don't forget about touching in the shower. And another thing which I love is my bed at night. I love it, love it, love it. So cuddle, cuddle with your pillow. If you have a large stuffed animal, if you have a heating pad, oh my God, how many, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love my heating pad. So anything that you can get, lotions, slather yourself with lotion. You know, I've got this amazing lavender stuff that I order at Amazon and this lotion, oh my God, it's got this amazing organic lavender in it. Okay, anything that you can think to do to touch your skin, to get your skin moving. It's so, so important, especially, especially in these times. So I hope we've given you some tips. Um, is there anything else that, Dr. Hickson, that you would like to add? No, we just got a lot of mileage out of a little bit of gentle stroking and touching each other. <laughs> so I think it adds to our happiness and our lessens our loneliness. Certainly, I think it's going to decrease our fear and anxiety, and that's important at these times. Also, a lot of the things that we're talking about here, whether it's your shower or your dog and stuff, is self-care. It's about caring for yourself. It really is. And um, maybe pull away from the cell phone. You know, and, and like I said, if 80% or, excuse me, 90% of us are, are seeking distraction from all of this, don't. Invite it into Listen, these five senses are a gift from God. They're divine. They're holy. They're sacred. And they have physical implications, spiritual implications, psychological. So maybe this is a time to go to your five senses. What are you looking at every day? What are you listening to? What are you tasting? What are you touching? You know, go through your five senses. What are you smelling? And, and um, I've even noticed if, uh, since this uh, COVID crisis, I started cooking a lot. Since then, our home, when you walk in, it smells delicious. The house smells different. Uh, it smells like a home again. I haven't done that since our children left to go to college. So anyway, just it's, make this be like an inquiry, like a, uh, I don't know. And, and yes, we're touch starved, skin hungry. Um, and we are going through some, uh, a lot of us are dying of loneliness. Let's use this as a time to go inward and downward. And, and now, like I said from the very beginning, become aware, get a little notebook, and second, get a plan. Because after we get out of this, uh, do you need to volunteer? It's another great thing. Volunteer at a shelter. Volunteer at a hospital. What's your passion? Uh, right now, a lot of you can go to food banks. These cars are lined up with people desperately needing food. Um, call centers. A lot of people need call centers for support or some crisis center. Uh, you can do things like that from home. So, you know, kind of, kind of uh, explore different things. So, I want to thank Dr. Jim Hickson. Uh, uh, our medical director at the Mindful Living Network and the Stress Institute for joining us today. And if you have any questions or ideas for programming, please let us know at info at mindfullivingnetwork.com. You can go to ourourmln.com. But again, go to info at mindfullivingnetwork.com. And uh, thank you for joining us for The Way I See It. And I am Dr. Kathleen Hall. And Dr. Jim Hickson. And thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And please take care of yourself.